Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Welcome into the health suites of Money FM 89.3. I'm Melissa Hyag. And joining me today is Dr. Mark Tang, consultant dermatologist, the skin specialists, and laser clinic. Hello, Dr. Tang. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Melissa. Great to be here this afternoon. Okay, this is a topic that I think uh, is of great interest to a lot of people. Some people think only women are interested, but, you know, I think it affects men as well. A lot of Definitely, them, right? Definitely, yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, skin conditions, no, uh, no gender difference. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I noticed that sometimes when you do research online, right, people uh-huh. talk about atopic dermatitis as if it's a different thing from eczema. Right. Are they... Well, no, actually, the, the same thing. So eczema and dermatitis, they refer to the same condition. These are, you know, they, they, they refer to a, a group of diseases called, uh, that is caused by inflammation in the skin. And so the skin, you know, is easily irritated. It gets red, it gets itchy, it gets very inflamed. And, you know, the individual that has eczema is, you know, not sleeping very well. He's scratching, there's, you know, this you know, infection. So it's a, it, as you mentioned, it's a difficult time, especially if they're thinking of traveling or if the weather is changing. You know, it's a difficult time for people with eczema. Mm. So, okay, so, so the two terms can be used interchangeably. That's correct. Yeah. Ah, okay. So how do you decide uh, or how do you diagnose it uh, when it is considered moderate to severe compared with somebody who has a mild case? So there are very objective criteria. You know, as uh, when you see me in the clinic, I'm looking at how the skin looks, how much of the skin is involved, how, you know, where the infection is, where the inflammation is. So first of all, it's the extent of the disease. Then we also look at how it's affecting the quality of life. So there are, there are mm. measures we can, you know, ask questions, questionnaires. And then we can also look at things like how itchy is their skin? You know, how, how's their sleep? So it's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. And each piece that I see, I kind of like fit it into a final picture. And that picture gives me an idea of how severe the disease is. Mm. It's yeah. interesting yeah, that, that in terms of the questionnaires that you talked about for quality of life, I had thought that the sleep part would be part of that. Obviously, that sleep, yeah. you know, sleep, how it impacts, uh, you know, not just the duration of sleep, how they fall asleep, mm. you know, how long they sleep for. That's all really important. And um, when you talk about quality of life, you're talking about, you know, are they able to do the sports that they like? Are they able oh. to, you know, uh, work? Are they able to go to have a holiday? And, you know, you mentioned about eczema taking away the joy of traveling. Actually, that's exactly why we want to treat eczema. We want to put people with eczema right where they want to be. So, you know, the whole treatment landscape of eczema has allowed many patients, even those with moderate to severe disease, to get out there and do the things that they need to do, they want to do, and they like to do. So, you know, eczema is a condition, even if it's severe, even if it's moderate, there is good and new treatment for them. Mm. How common is this skin condition in Singapore? I mean, if we consider it um, from the point of view of the general Singapore population, right? And then we also want to consider that from the point of view of those who travel and then develop this or have the flare-ups of the moderate to severe So if you look at large studies um, all across the world, including Singapore, about 20% of school-going children will have eczema. So it's very common, one in four, you know, one in five kids will have eczema. And then when you look at the adults, you know, um, maybe about 10 to 15% with eczema. And then of this group of children and adults with eczema, about 30% of them will have moderate to severe disease. So the great news is that while it's so prevalent, the majority of people have mild eczema. So, you know, they just use a bit of creams, they Mm. see a doctor once in a while, they get through the day with it. But there's that segment of patients with moderate to severe disease, 10 to 30% of them. 
And these are the groups that even despite using creams, you know, despite all the good efforts that they have, you know, they will still have significant impact on their quality of life, impact on their sleep, you know, itch. So that's that group that, you know, we want to focus on because they need lots of help in getting their skin to be, you know, to be where it wants, where we, where they should be. Mm, 10 to 30 percent, that's actually quite a high number, especially if you are nearing the top end of that. That's correct. Right. Um, it is common. Mm, maybe, maybe you can bring us, talk us through the contributing factors, right, uh, uh, of getting... Uh, eczema <laughs> or atopic dermatitis, um, maybe the general ones and then also uh, those that are particular to travelling. Right. So eczema is a condition which is genetic. So we know there's a genetic basis to how we react to the environment. So, you know, the association with asthma, association with allergic rhinitis and association of eczema come together. And if you think about it, our skin is a sensory organ. It's it's a it's an organ that is used to detect what's in the environment, mm. uh, to detect insect bites, you know, scratching and stuff like that. And so, what triggers the eczema is the environment. So it's not really an allergy per se, but it's you know anything in the environment like heat, sweat, dust, mm. you know, change in humidity, climate, and all that plays a very big role when we travel. So when we travel, we are you know, we're we exploring and discovering new things. And the skin is also censoring that, you know, sensing that new changes in the environment. So, it, it, you know, we go to a very cold country, we're looking at low humidity, we're looking at change in the weather. And then we go to, the, you know, the beach and the sand, and, you know, that sweat and the heat. Mm. So all that can play a role in impacting how our skin reacts to that. And this reaction we call inflammation. Mm. And the inflammation is manifested as eczema. Mm. I know you've talked about um, you know the traveling aspect of it, but what about the Singapore uh, weather currently? Um, I oh, know it's that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hot, right? And yeah. and I know it's, although it says mid thirties, it actually really feels uh, much hotter than that. So, have you been seeing more people come in with um, cases? Of course, I, I you know there's definitely of the a very very clear correlation. Mm. So you know when the weather gets very hot, there's a lot of sweat. Um, there's been studies to show that people with eczema are kind of like allergic or irritated by their own sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they may have to then do a bit more washing and cleaning. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that again, the chemicals and that washing aggravates the skin barrier, which also aggravates eczema. Uh, yeah. Um, what if, yeah. What I find interesting is that for me, when I travel, especially mm-hmm. to wintry countries, um, that's when I, I get flare-ups and oftentimes only on the calves of my legs. That's correct. So, Many of us actually have some form of, you know, tendency to develop eczema and it's unmasked when we travel. So, you know, we kind of have that hidden genetic tendency and Mm. then it just takes these triggers when we travel or when we're exposed to new things to bring it out. So, you know, it could be in a patient who already has eczema, Mm. but there are many people who travel and they get what, what, as you mentioned, winter itch or, you know, dry Mm. skin Mm. from from using hot water or, Mm. you know, when you go soaking in the onsen or something. So um, it, it, it's, it's quite common, you know. It's quite a common condition. Mm. I understand that um, there's been, uh, I don't know if I can call it a breakthrough in terms of a new class of drugs for managing a moderate to severe eczema. Um, and it's been approved by the HSA. Tell, tell me more about that and how it compares with the so-called more traditional or the current existing uh, treatments. Right. So the whole landscape of eczema has changed. And this is really in part because we understand the underlying inflammation in the skin. So we understand the molecular basis of why patients have eczema. So the treatment has changed because we now can target specific, you know, 
signals in the in the blood. We can target signals in the inflammatory cells, and because of that, you know, the eczema treatment has become very much more targeted and precise. So what you're mentioning about the latest approval, that's a whole class of drugs called the JAK inhibitors. JAK refers to uh, kind of like an a internal signal in the cell which transmits information and tells the cell to get activated or deactivated. And so it's been now possible to take an oral drug that can get into the cell and block these inflammation signals. So it's, it's a great breakthrough because, you know, it's a very fast-acting drug. It's effective in its ability to target inflammation. Um, it's relatively safe. You know, obviously, it, you know, the conversation of whether it's beneficial or who needs it or who gets it, mm. that's a, you know, that needs a, a bit of assessment and input. It has to be very individualized to each patient uh, with eczema. Mm. Sorry, is this uh, topical or is it um, oral? So, interestingly, there is a topical version, but the one that we have available in Singapore is the oral version. Mm. So, so it's it's going to come soon. Both the topical and you know the oral is already here. Right, this would be great for people who, you know, travel often or are planning to travel to to you know places with yeah, uh, so you know, more extreme great, weather conditions. That's right. So, one of the great things about this drug, it's an oral form. Mm. So, uh, you know, we also have a, a another you know very very good drug, which is given by injection. As you can imagine, injections have to be, you know, stored in the fridge. They have to be taught when they, you want know, to use them. Mm. So there's a little bit more inconvenience. One of the great things about oral medications is that it's something that you put in your bag and you, you know, you, you bring it on board the plane and you can take it, you know. Mm. So, so um, that's one of the, 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 the key things about these, uh, this new drug in particular is that it's travel friendly, uh, it's effective and it's fast. So, other drugs might take a little bit longer to work, but because this targets very precisely that molecular signaling pathway, you know, it, it works you know, pretty impressively and quickly. So, you know, in patients who are like, say, going off to their honeymoon, they have to make sure that they're, you know, well controlled for that, for that important event. You know, that's, that's, that's a, you know, that's a good drug. But as I mentioned, you know, this, the, it needs a conversation with a doctor. It needs an assessment. Um, not everyone will will, will uh, I think everyone will do well, but the, the issue is always about the risk-benefit ratio. Mm, it sounds, though, that it could be expensive. Is it a generic <laughs> version or is it one of those like no, branded no, pharmaceutical no, it's drugs? it's a branded version and, 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 <laughs> and no generics that I know of. Okay. Um, so a, a so, course of it, for, uh, you know, to, to be effective in, in managing it when you're going on a trip, how much is that likely to, to yeah, cost? Yeah, so I, I think it's also important to know it's, it's not one of those uh, stopgap measures that you take or, you know, it's something that has a bit of a long-term right. uh, cost. So, well, people can use it in various ways. And that's one of the flexibilities of, you know, an oral medication. You, it, it, it works fast and, it, and obviously the effect can, can die out quite quickly. So, again, it's about discussing what the expectations are, uh, about what we are trying to achieve with each medication and maximizing the response or the outcome. So it, it is a, it's one of the things that we have to remember is that, you know, for patients with eczema for years, there has, hasn't been really great breakthroughs. Mm. And, you know, a lot of patients are very afraid of using steroids. And mm. I think that, you know, there's always good and bad in, in, in every option. Mm. So we welcome any new option. 
So there are many unmet needs in eczema and the more options we have, the more uh, we can help our patients. So, you know, that's, that's, I would think, the message that I want to bring through that there is hope and that, you know, patients even with moderate to severe disease can enjoy life and can enjoy, you know, a quality of life which allows them to travel and not have to worry about, you know, so many different things when you go out of the country, right? Yeah, but but eczema is also more prevalent in children, right, relative to adults, Mm. right? So how child-friendly is this new class of drugs? Uh, It's not indicated for very young children. It can be used in adolescents. Uh, Well, I would say that for the very young children, um, there are other special options for them. Um, And then, obviously, I think parents will have concerns about, you know, side effects, long-term side effects. So Mm. these are all valid concerns. Mm. Mm. And as I mentioned, you know, that conversation has to go, you know, with your specialist uh, to discuss risk-benefit cost ratio um, uh, um, analysis. And how gastro-friendly is it? Gastro-friendly? It's gastro-friendly. I mean, it it, it, it doesn't have much of a gastric side effect. From that, from that point okay, of view. Okay, so you don't have to take an extra something else, you know, just to, to you know, ease your tummy um, before or after taking the drug. Okay, no, one last question, not. right? We yes. have about uh, a minute to go. Okay. Um, okay, what about other things that we can do before we actually embark on the trip? Like, you know, does it help if we moisturize ourselves regularly yeah. already? That sort of thing. I mean, I think that's definite, you know. Planning is so important and, mm. and planning in, in, in involves maximizing or improving your skin condition uh, to a level which is able to take all that, that, that um, travel. So planning what to bring, that's so important. And ensuring that you've got you know, a supply of small tubes, travel-friendly uh, tubes for the plane ride if it's a long flight. Mm. Uh, ensuring that you bring enough medication, uh, knowing which are your rescue medications, meaning to say that you need something if you have a bit of a flare. Making sure that you've got eczema-friendly cleansers, moisturizers, insect repellents, mm. sunblock, you know, all the kind of stuff mm. which most of us would take for granted. But for the individual with moderate severe eczema, it involves lots of pre-planning and then making sure that you've got that, that, that knowledge of how to use all these different creams. Thank you very much, Dr. Tang, for your insight. We've been speaking with Dr. Mark Tang, consultant dermatologist at the Skin Specialists and Laser Clinic. I'm Melissa here for the Workday Afternoon. You're with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.